The afternoon delight here on ESPN Pittsburgh as the afternoon starts to roll into the evenings. To the phone lines we go. All of our guests reminder on the show brought to you by the Foxbet app. Make the call, download the app today. We will do show me the money about 20 minutes from now. I'll give you my five favorite sports bets of the upcoming weekend. But before we get to the paper, we got to get to our buddy, our good friend, Chris Carter. He, of course, of DK Pittsburgh Sports fame, uh, wrapping up a week of mini camp coverage. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate always being here, my good friend. And after being on with you and Mozi earlier this week, it's, it's been fun. It's always nice when I get to double up on shows with you. Listen, we're making the rounds, you know. I, I love it. We, <laughs> we, like we said, you are, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I can even call you like a good friend of the show at this point because you're past that point. You're family here on ESPN Pittsburgh and on SNR. And, and of course, I always appreciate you taking the time, buddy. Let's get right into it. Uh, where I want to start with you is, um, you know, it was funny because I was thinking about the conversation that, that you you, Moats, and I had on SNR on Wednesday. And the one thing that we didn't really talk too much about that I want to get your opinion on, uh, some of the intrigue, some of the um, the mystery, if you will, around Dwayne Haskins, the newest quarterback on the Steelers roster. Chris, I think a lot of people try and um, do the hard line thing here, right? Where they either say Dwayne Haskins is going to be fantastic, he's going to replace Ben Roethlisberger one day, or they act like, right, well, he's not even, we're wasting our time here. He's not even worthy of a roster spot. I, I don't expect his teammates to talk poorly about him, right? But you hear some of the things that Ben Roethlisberger has said, and we know Ben's not a guy that always speaks so glowingly about the other quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, Mike Tomlin as well. Too. It just seems like there's a lot of people in Steelers circles who are excited about this guy, Chris. And obviously, he is someone that we will have on our short list of people that we want to watch once the preseason gets going and everything. But I was just wondering your take on, on some of the, the intrigue, some of the mystery around Dwayne Haskins. Well, I mean, the mystery is, can, can he be the first-round quarterback he was drafted to be? I mean, when he, when he was drafted, I think he was 15th overall, people thought that he should have been drafted higher, even above, like, Daniel Jones, who went before him. Right. So I, there was there was a good amount of hype after what he did for Ohio State and how he looked, and he did have a cannon of an arm. He has the, the big body. You want, like, he had the things that you wanted, and, you know, he was going to be somebody's, you know, franchise-saving quarterback. It's just that he went to Washington, where that's just a very tough task to do. Sure, uh, but but you know, but there's but to, be, to be honest, he and I think he even recognizes this. There were a lot of things that played into why he didn't work out there that were of his own making. You know, he you know you know there were times like you know when the team was about to win and they needed him to go in and take a knee, and he was going howling around with fans at the end of a game. Uh, you know, the, the strip club incident where he was at a strip club and hanging out without a, without a mask during the pandemic last year, um, right before he was cut. You know, th- there were certainly things that he wishes he could have done better, and he kind of alluded to that, to that when he spoke earlier this, earlier this week. So, you know, it was it, – it, the mystery is can he get right with the Steelers? Now, here's the thing. Oftentimes, a stabling environment, an organization with the proper foundation – with the, the with the established culture and the chemistry around it, and you know with that with a sense of like a family environment, that can often be a great reset for plenty of players. And not that the, these players were you know had the problems that Haskins had, but how many times have we seen a first rounder that was highly picked by another team didn't work out for them come to Pittsburgh and make a decent career for them? Whether it was Darius Hayward Bay who was a top ten pick by the Raiders, or Tyson Alulu who was a, I think the eleventh overall pick for the Jaguars or something like that, uh, you know years. Ago. Go. There's plenty of guys that come to Pittsburgh, 
find the family environment that the Steelers, you know, many people say they provide. I mean, Jericho yeah. Cotri had been in the NFL for several years, and when he was finishing up Pittsburgh, he's like, that was my favorite place to play just because of the environment that it, that it was. And he owed he owed nothing to the Steelers. He, they, they paid him. He did well when he was when he was in Pittsburgh, and he still felt like he's saying that years after he left the team. So that can do a lot to help Dwayne Haskins. Now, does how does he take on those challenges, and if he overcomes those problems, does that make him a starting NFL quarterback? We'll mm. see. Those are the things that will be revolving around the mystery that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and like I said, it, we, we kind of have to quite often find uh, manufactured reasons to get excited to watch preseason football. Who are we kidding? Uh, but I, I will be <laughs> excited to watch Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph as well, too. Guys like Anthony McFarland, uh, a, a lot of guys that we didn't get to see as much spin last year in preseason. I'll, I'll actually be looking forward to that this time around. It is Chris Carter with us here on the Afternoon Delight. Chris, how many two tight end sets do you think we could see, or how often could we see two tight end sets with this offense? Obviously, a lot of that is predicated on how quickly uh, Frymuth gets up to speed, becomes comfortable with the offense. They become comfortable with what they're asking him to do. But in the Matt Canada offense, if let's let's say things work out well development wise for Fryermuth and, and he's kind of on a, a trajectory that, that we all think and you know, maybe not as much responsibility at first, but as the season goes along, they ask him to do more and more. Uh, do you think there's a chance, you know, particularly in the back half of the season, that we could see a, a two tight end sl- uh, two tight end sets out there often? I think you could see it more often. I just don't know how often that will be. Like I'm not saying it'll become a staple of the offense. I think it'll be something that is used more frequently than it has been over the past few years, simply because Ebron and Fryer, the investment they put into Ebron financially and the investment they put, the draft capital they put into get Fryermuth and making him a second rounder, they believe in that happened. And, and hey, Ebron spoke glowingly of Fryermuth uh, when, when I asked him about that. Uh, you know, after minicamp was over, I was, you know, that was the first thing that, you know, that was, that I asked him to do. I was like, Hey man, like, what are you seeing? And, and uh, you know, he said he's a silky smooth playmaker. Also, apparently he didn't know how to pronounce, pronounce fire moves. He was like, <laughs> he, he had to ask, he had to ask, he's like, oh, so what, how do you say his, his last name? Um, he's like, I just call him Pat. Uh, but it's clear that, th- that this young guy is making an impression. I think that they'll definitely work him in there, but you can't ignore the obvious advantages the Steelers have in their wide receiver department. And whenever you go 12 personnel, you limit yourself to two receivers on the outside or, you know, wherever you line them up at. And considering the Steelers are confident in Juju, Deontay, Chase Claypool, and James Washington, and they're, they're, they're growing with, with Ray Ray McLeod, I'm not so sure that you're going to see it as a staple or seeing it very often, hmm. but I do think it'll be considerably more than it has been, even with how much they liked Vance McDonald in the past couple of years. Yeah, right. I think there are some parallels to draw there. Obviously, uh, Firemuth looks kind of cut from the same cloth, but maybe with more upside in in the pass-catching game, and and that's certainly – um, kind of what I'm hoping for, you know, that, that we'll see similar like what we saw with Juju. You know, he he had impact the first half of the season, his rookie year, but it was really right Detroit, like week eight or week nine, when he really took off and started to become a, a important cog mm-hmm. in that offense. It would be nice to see that same thing happen uh, with this year's second round pick, Pat Fryermuth, uh, at the tight end position as well. Chris, a uh, couple, how do I want to put this? I guess maybe over-unders that, that Motsi and I were kicking around this week that I wanted to get your takes on, all right? Okay, uh, okay. Over under, we have set Kendrick Green being the Steelers' starting center by week nine. Over under. So over would be like he starts before then? Over would be like he doesn't start until week 10, week 11. Under would be, you know, he starts week four, week five. 
Okay, I didn't know if we were counting how many starts. I'm right, right, right. Under, I, 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 you know, I, I asked uh, Adrian Clem about a Kendrick Green and how he's taking all the challenges, and he seems impressed by the guy. Um, he seems like he's, he's he's learning quickly. Kendrick Green, though, people look at him like, oh man, he's not like you know huge, so he might not be strong. When you watch this guy in the way that he played in college, he's up. He was a physical he's dude. Nasty. He moves yeah. people. Right. He, he's nasty. Gets after it. He will not be afraid to dig in people and move them out of the way. I, I see that as as long as the mental part of his game goes with the physical part of his game, and it seems like from what we're hearing it is, I, I see him being a starter much earlier than week nine or eight. I, you know, I, I, he could be he could end up be, being the starter by like late September, early October, that range uh, of Ooh, the season. And, and, and the Steelers need it. You know, I, they, BJ Finney is, is a good like add in is like, Hey, we're, we're having you in here when we're, when we're in emergency situations and he's played well for the Steelers when he's had to do that, but you just don't want to have to rely on him game in and game out. And if the, the, the faster Kendrick green can get up to speed, the, that, that's the fast that B.J. Finney can go to the role of, hey, is DeCastro out? I'm filling in there. Hey, is Dotson out? I can fill in there. Hey, is Kendrick Green out? I can fill in here. And that's where his, his best value has been to the team. So I, I, I'll take the under on Kendrick Green. Over, under, 60% of Juju snaps being him lined up in the slot. Mm, we were just talking about this, too. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. Um, I know that there's, there's, he's talked about mixing it up. Um, but even in 2018, it was 58%. And that was when they were lining him up outside. <laughs> right. Door. Um, right. And so in the last two years, he's lined up 79% and 63% in the slot. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I think it's going to stay in that. I mean, I think it's going to stay in the sixties range. It won't be close to 80. Like it was, it may, it may inch towards 70, but I think it'll be much closer to 60, but still be over 60 of how much he's in the slot. Matt Canada will mix it up a bit. Um, but I also think that they, they're excited to use Deontay Johnson as an explosive route runner. And Chase Claypool is a big, big, uh, big play threat guy. And the plays that the places that you line those guys up to do that is outside the numbers. So they'll still lean towards Juju playing in the slot more, um, but just not nearly as much as Randy Fickner was. Last one for you in this this over-under uh, quiz that I got for you here, Mr. Carter. Uh, over-under 1,300 total yards of offense for the first-round draft pick, Najee Harris. Oh, I'm going over. Just the way that this, that this guy looks, um, you know, we can we can say he made that one-handed catch in the end zone now because he posted the, the picture was posted on his Instagram has been shared all over social media. <laughs> but like, you know, when, when, I, when we saw that play, I just remember everyone looking up at Dale Lolly and being like, "Bro, what?" Because uh, <laughs> there's the there's the one-handed catch that uh, that, that Najee Harris is. Uh, you see him pulling in, and it's something that he he's boasted about for years that he can be a receiving back. I totally see him doing well in the ground game and being featured in the passing game. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, in some of his best years, have ha- has done well when he's had the opportunity to just flip it to a back out of the backfield and let them get easy yards while the while defenses worry about the Steelers' pass mm. receiving game and the receivers that they have. And with Juju Deontay and Chase, there's legitimate consider. You know, it's not like Antonio Brown's out there, but it is like there's, a, there's depth out there that, that teams have to consider. And if Ben's able to hit those guys up well, it's going to open up those underneath catching opportunities for Najee. I mean, that's what he did with Le'Veon Bell. That was 
to me, that was one of the things that made Le'Veon Bell so special was how often he was able to do that for Ben. Hmm. Um, and even before Le'Veon, the days of Moeldy Moore, people forget about that guy. There were so many times he was just, he was like a, he was a safety valve for Ben Roethlisberger in those late 2000s. He was a huge part of that 2008 Super Bowl run as a utility running back guy that backed up Willie Parker. Um, uh, you know, under un, uh, you know unsung or underrated for what he did. Najee's going to be all of that in one, so definitely over 1,300 yards. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Chris, I saw. I forget who it was, but somebody tweeted, you know, the media is not allowed to uh, to talk about specifics from minicamp, but one thing I can share with you is that none of us, even any, anybody who was skeptical about the Najee selection, uh, that doesn't exist anymore after how he's looked. I'm completely with you on that. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that dude this year. It's always fun to catch up with our dude Chris Carter, he of DK Pittsburgh Sports. Chris, it's it's kind of the, the dog days of summer of sports talk here in, in Pittsburgh, right? Especially because if I talk about the NBA for more than two or three minutes at a time, I think they'll come and drag me out of the studio here. <laughs> so so with that, you know, we've come up with this thing. I, I want to, you know, I'm going to say a curveball at you, but you're, you're always good with this kind of pop culture random questions that I can ask you. We've been doing a thing, Chris, that we've, take, we've been taking every year that I've been, since I've been born, okay, and picking, picking the best album, the best movie, and the best sports moment. Of, of each of the 30 years that I've been alive. And, and as we were doing this earlier today, right, I realized 1994 was a heck of a year for debuts, okay, from, from athletes to musicians to actors. There were a lot of different entities that burst onto the scene with their debut in 1994. Chris, I need to know, though, what was the better debut? All right, Notorious B.I.G. with Ready to Die, one of the best rap hip-hop albums ever? Ooh. Or... Ooh. Tiger Woods becoming the youngest man to ever to ever win the U.S. Amateur, Chris, at the age of 18. Who had the better debut in 1994? I mean, listen, Tiger is one of the greatest golfers of all time. And he brought so much to that sport. I mean, to, to the point where when Tiger played, everyone, the ratings were up. When Tiger didn't play, the ratings were down. Yep. And and people went to see that guy. But you're talking about the, the, the notorious B.I.G., Biggie, one of the – if there's a Mount Rushmore in hip-hop and, and rap, he is on it. And, and to this day, you know, he, you know, people could say he's the, he was the best lyricist, the best storyteller. Uh, he had the best flow. That dude was one of the best storytellers. I'm sorry, Ready to Die in 1994. <laughs> just with all the songs that come from it, that's, got a, that's the better debut – of that year and, and and that's that's not dissing tiger at all it's just that that album to this day i mean there's i don't think that there's a day that if there's if there's a bar that has a jukebox that in that includes hip-hop you know music in its in its regular playlist it, there's going to be at least two tracks from from that album from biggie that still gets played to this day it's just it's too iconic um and, and tiger's iconic himself but, but the Notorious B.I.G., that, that, that to me is the better debut. I thought we were going to go with like one-hit wonders and do like tag <laughs> team or something. But, uh, but no, 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 no. That's, that's definitely, that's definitely you know, um, the B.I.G., man. But, wow, I, I had no You idea. like that question, huh? That's a good question. That's a great question. I, I'm, I'm hyped up in here. Also, like, what would be, what's your favorite song from that album, Wes? Oh, buddy, kick in the door. Next question. Oh man, I, I'm sorry. Give me the loop. Oh, it's no fantastic. Where I hit every every no that, that album plays like a greatest hits. I mean, it really does. Like it's it's every track on that album. 
and also like just the historical like re- historical significance of who shot you yeah. to the you know to, to his rivalry with Tupac and all the things that went on with that man like whoo juicy everything about this album Dude, it's so just, good it's so it suicidal thoughts is is just oh. like you know one of those storytelling biggie songs that you talk about uh, i mean geez warning what an album chris what oh man that was i think that might have been the best question i've ever asked anybody i just i just want to bask in <laughs> i just want to bask in the glory of that right now uh okay one one more as it relates to 1994 uh my my guy Jim Carrey absolutely crushed it in 1994, Chris. Uh, in 1994, one year, Jim Carrey did Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. All in 1994, all three of those movies. So, Chris, uh, best one of those three, Ace Ventura, The Mask, or Dumb and Dumber? Wait, so that was Ace Ventura 1, right? Correct, Pet Detective, yes. Uh, that, 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 that's it, it's the winner. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah the, that's the my mask- guy, Chris Carter, baby, let's go! Right. There's no, there's no doubt. Like, listen, Dumb and Dumber, it was its own thing, and it was, it was cool. And but Dumb and Dumber was just there. It was, it was like making fun of being stupid, which was like, okay, <laughs> right. cool. But that, that wasn't Jim at his best. And then the mask, the mask was cute for kids because that was the whole point was that he was a superhero yep. with ridiculous powers. But Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, just. Take everything you want out of Jim Carrey and best. slap it into it's a movie. I mean, slap Dan Marino and, and football jokes and cop jokes, and you got Tone Loke up in there for no reason. <laughs> yeah, for no um, reason. Just for no reason. He's just, he's just there to have his voice and be, and be like, you can't be doing this over here. Uh, but, no, nah, man, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. To me, to this day, that is Jim Carrey's best uh, – that's his, that's his best his best flick that he's done. I agree. You could you could turn that on any point in the day. I mean, even just little moments like where he's walking through at like the the party and there's a little <laughs> just watching or, him or, or walk that. is hilarious in that movie. It's hilarious. That guy. That guy. I, I just don't know how he was just that funny in so many different situations. His in living color skits that he used to oh. do. Um, I mean, that just yeah. You man, you hit me with all the feels going back to 1994, bro. I was five years old, but man. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, uh, Finkel is Einhorn. I'm sorry, I, I, I can't. I will. I, I might watch that movie tonight now, just because of you. Why do you care about the dolphin? Do you know him? <laughs> do you call him at home? Is he going? Ada, ada, ada? And you're going? Ada, ada, ada? Chris Carter. Okay. <laughs> Can we just sit here and swap Ace Ventura lines for the next hour? <laughs> And a new pair of shorts. And a new pair of shorts. And he's like, Dan Marino should die of gunnery and rotten hell. Would you like a cookie? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, like this is that. Dude, how about when he when he does when he does when he's like faking the the mental health to sneak into that institute and he's like, let's see that again in slow motion. Gosh, I missed that movie. Yeah, I'm probably going to watch that. Thanks, Wes. That's definitely what I'm doing now. You and me both, buddy. All right, before I let you go for real this time, uh, Chris, you know this. My dear wife from Philadelphia, she is on the way back there right now. Uh, Shout out to my brother-in-law, Aaron, graduating high school tonight. Uh, My wife texted me and said she needs your opinion. Is there any way the Sixers can come back from Wednesday? Yes, uh, simply because. I like, I like the Hawks. I even tweeted out, like, man, like, I didn't think the Hawks would do all this. There is a way for the Sixers to bounce back. 
but it's going to involve Ben Simmons getting his head out of his rear end. I mean, <laughs> you can't go through a game where who was Embiid and one other player were the only guys who had field goals for Curry. Philly in the second half. Curry, thank you, Seth Curry. Also, man, Seth Curry is like, dang, I'm doing like I can't just get no help. Like, uh, but yeah, man, I think the I think the Sixers bounce back. You know, it was it was crazy for for the last two games that they've lost. Because I want, I wanted, I always want seven game series when we're watching basketball. Because the longer basketball season goes, the better that the world is off. Um, so when 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 the Hawks won Game Five, I was like, cool. Or Game Game Four, I was like, like this is this is cool. It's tied up. It's going to Game Five. It's going to be exciting. But I still had the Sixers winning the series. And, but I looked at that game and I'm like, man, Embiid's not going to have that bad of a game two times in a row. And then the rest of the team has bad games in Game Five. <laughs> I just I, I have to think that this team bounces back. They, if they don't. Poor Doc Rivers. Like, like this, this, this whole or this whole franchise. Just like they're, they're gonna, it's going to be crushing. This might be even more crushing than Kawhi Leonard's hit free throw from the corner like two or three years ago when he sent them home in Game Seven. Like they, they, they gave like Atlanta. They were the joke of twenty-eight to three, and literally <laughs> they, gave, they had they gave up a twenty-six point lead in that game to allow the Hawks to come back. Man, like. Uh, I, I do think that Philly finds a way to bounce back. Just they got too much talent to go out and stick. Chris, great stuff, buddy. I know my wife will appreciate that analysis and that glimmer of hope as she's driving out to the land of cheesesteaks. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it, buddy. Going on, touching them all with me as always. Uh, always a lot of fun, man. And I will say, in the words of our guy Jim, take care now. Bye bye then. <laughs> Silly. See you, buddy. Thanks. Have a good weekend, man. We'll talk soon. There he is, Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I love that guy. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. 412-919-1316 on Twitter, at Wesley Euler. It's the Afternoon Delight presented by Duncan. Pittsburgh runs on Duncan. When we come back here, show me the money. Show me the money! I'll give you my five favorite sports bets of the upcoming weekend. Yes, it's a Friday, and we got to get that paper. So we'll do that on the other side. It's the Afternoon Delight. On 9-7 ESPN.